Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Enjoy today's message. Hey, church family. First, I want to offer a huge happy Mother's Day to all of our moms out there. We are so thankful for you, thankful for all you do. Today is your special day of honor, and we want you to know we love and appreciate you. Happy Mother's Day. Today, we're going to continue our series called Stories. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Today, you're going to hear the story of J.D. Isbell, who in his 30s, God just got a hold of him, pulled him out of religion, put him into a faith, a living faith in a relationship with Jesus Christ. J.D. had a praying wife, and it made a huge difference in his life. I know his story today is going to be a real inspiration to you. Enjoy today's story. Well, hi, J.D. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good. I'm so glad that you're uh, you're with us today, and I'm really excited about the church hearing your story. You and Susan are first service people because some folks might be looking at you going, I don't recognize that person. Well, that's because you must go to second service because J.D. and Susan are there in first service. I remember, I, you know, you guys have been coming to church for a while, and it wasn't until I think a fellowship meal or maybe even Discover class that I found out that you were a missionary. And uh, when I asked you, you told me that you were a missionary in Jamaica and for 20 years, and my jaw just dropped because I just had no idea. One of the things that I really loved about that was um, sometimes when people will visit the church and they've done ministry and things like that, the very first thing they want to tell me is that they're in ministry and that they've done ministry and things like that. That's just not your and Susan's style. You guys decided to kind of lay low and and just get to know people and serve people, and you aren't the uh, put-yourself-forward kind of people. And that actually just gave me a lot of respect for you guys. Well, thank you. We enjoyed the church, and we just came here to enjoy worshiping God with you. Well, we're honored to have you. And, you know, the Lord has several other folks who've spent time in ministry at Victory, and we're just um, honored to have them among us because they just make us better. And uh, we love the experience, and it makes me excited to tell your story, and I know that people are going to be blessed by it today. J.D., um, first let's learn a little bit about your family. Do you have children? I have three children, two boys and one girl. Awesome, and they're all adults. Do you have grandchildren as well? I've got ten grandchildren now. Wow, that's excellent. So, uh, J.D., did you grow up in a Christian home yourself? I grew up in a <clears throat> Christian home. I, my parents went to a local community church, and I went there all my life too until I um, got married and moved, you know, moved out. That's awesome. So, would you consider yourself having like come to faith as a child? What was that experience like for you? Well, I joined the church at, at twelve and got baptized, but I really didn't have a, a relationship with the Lord. I knew all the Bible stories and, and, um, you know, was a church goer. I, I guess you could say I was a religious person, but I didn't really have a relationship. So what changed that for you? Well, by age 34, I was a workaholic, a alcoholic, and, and, um, I was living for my, myself and I had a family, but didn't really know them that much. And 
I, I knew I needed something, but I wasn't finding it. I had been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and the doctors had told me I'd be in a wheelchair by the time I was 40, and I was having major issues in my body. And I got invited to go to a um, full gospel business meeting, and I went, and the speaker was a delivered uh, drug addict from prescription drugs because he was a pharmacist. And when I went up for prayer, uh, God healed me of my arthritis, and I got delivered from alcohol, although I didn't know it for a couple of months. I just had a habit. And then a couple of months later, one day, things just weren't tasting right. And the Lord said, I'm taking away your desire to drink. And that was in 1985. And I haven't drank anything since. Wow. That's amazing. Except for a little bit of wine at a Seder dinner that was in Jamaica one time. <laughs> I appreciate the full disclosure. Yeah, full disclosure. <laughs> I had a little wine at that dinner that night. I just don't have a desire. Don't have. I hate the smell of it now. Yeah. So you're in your 30s, and now you've come to a place, as you describe it, as you have a relationship with God. What What was next for you? Well, I got saved, and then we we started seeking a, a, a word church. My wife had already gotten saved and filled the Holy Spirit, and was much further along in having a relationship than I was. And I really was, I was working construction. I was running a company and then I went to work for another company in Maryland. And, and, um, I was having some struggles in my family relationships and she was changing and I didn't know why. And cause I was out of town a whole lot. And, and then when tax time came, I asked her, where the bills were for medical expenses. And she said, well, we didn't have any this year because we weren't going to the doctor. And I said, well, what happened? We always have medical expenses. And it turned out that she had gotten healed of some of her conditions and just was praying over the kids. And we didn't have those to file on taxes. So gradually God started softening my heart with her testimonies to the point when I did finally go to a meeting after months and months of my brother-in-law harassing me to go, I was at a point that I was ready to receive Christ because I had tried to quit drinking a couple of times on my own and just made a determination I was going to stop. And it would last six or seven weeks and then something would happen and work and I would go back into it again. So it wasn't that I was a sloppy drunk. I just drank. and Yeah, it had you. It had me, and it, it was something, it was a crutch. It was what I turned to when I was, had problems and were depressed. And then I, I love that. It's the, the power of the invite. Somebody invited you. You said it was a, a word church, and um, was that Faith Landmarks Ministries? Well, yeah, that was where we ended up. I got saved at a full gospel businessman meeting that he yeah. invited me to, and then we ended up at FLM when they were still on uh, Broad Street. When the, before they tore the wall down, we went and God started doing miracles the very first week we were there in our life, putting, restoring a family to, to one. God just started working in our lives and hadn't quit. That's awesome. So now you've come to Jesus and you're following him and you're free from alcohol and your God is restoring your family. And so you're in your, your 30s, and, and I guess, you know, you just kind of ride off and into the sunset, right? Or did God continue to lead and change in your life? It was just continual growth in God and seeking his will for my life. And 
and God called me um, through a, a guest speaker we had one time, and from that I started seeking, you know, a deeper relationship with the Word and not just being a businessman and being a Christian. That's awesome. It sounds like Susan played a huge role in your development as a believer when it comes to just her praying and her prayers are making a big difference in your life. Yeah, she had um, anointed my boots and put all, you know, anointed my boots and I became a friendly person. And and then all of a sudden one day she said she noticed I was back to being aggravating again. And she asked the Lord what was going on. And he said, I bought a new pair of boots. <laughs> the anointing really works and she was praying she had gotten a prayer partner and they were praying for me and and through all of that the lord just drew me to him through that meeting and and he knew who it would take the message it would take to get me to come to the altar and that was deliverance from alcohol and the healing of my body which i'm 69 now and i still can do anything I want to do. Praise the Lord. And from that, God has also taught me about healing to where that is actually one of the things that he uses us in sometimes is to pray for people to get healed because it's part of the word. Amen. Amen. I, I love that about you guys that you, you look in the word and that you see healing as God's will and that Jesus has provided for it. And so you have no issue praying and believing for the sick to be healed. Oh, no, that's, you know, has has been one of the, the uh, when I was itinerating to go on the mission field, that was one of the things that the Lord would use me in a number of times in churches is to, for words of knowledge and praying for healing. And, and it's always been interesting to go back sometimes years later to some churches that I've had spoken in and um, had people come up and had written a note in their Bible at such and such a date when I prayed for them. You know, one lady I'll never forget was, it was up in Stanton, Virginia, and I had had a word that people were trying, you know, some ladies were trying to get pregnant and couldn't and were told they couldn't. And and I had an altar call and four came up. And about 12 years later, I was back in the church visiting and one came up and showed me her Bible where in 1995 I had prayed over her and, and she had 11 year old son and a 10 year old daughter. That's amazing. And so we had out of the, I think it was five that came up and four of them had children within a year. That's awesome. So it was just God, you know, God knew what they needed and he knew that I would respond and ended up praying for them. And he healed. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed reading a bunch of Susan's God story cards in church where uh, she's in the Aldi or she's in this store or that store praying for the sick and, and seeing people here, here. And, you know, you can take the lady off the mission field, but you can't take the mission out of the lady, can you? No, no. We, we're, we try to live it here. It's, as, you know, it's, it's everywhere. We, we try to live it here and, and um, having worked with people in Jamaica and, and doing healing training for for churches there, we were able to to get people to go to the market and 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 see miracles take place before their eyes. And when they have it, 
happening with through them, then they were stronger in the word because they knew the word was working through them. Even though sometimes it's a struggle to have the healing for yourself, but we were praying for people, which makes it stronger in your life because you've seen God move through you. That's good. One of the things that I hear in your story that I really appreciate is the emphasis on the word of God and the emphasis on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes people uh, want to be a, a one-armed Christian, uh, maybe know the word, not be led by the spirit or be led by the spirit, but not really know the word that the spirit wrote for us and uh, putting them both together. Uh, it can be so powerful because you know the will of God, and when you have the leading of the Holy Spirit, there's the power of God with you, and it can do some amazing things. Yeah, well, it was. It goes back to Jesus. He knew the will of the Father because he heard what the Father said he would say. And so as long as we are in touch or, or stay in fellowship with the Lord through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can get you into in it, get you out of any issue you have. He's worked miracles through us and 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 for us because there have been times when I just did not know what to do and, and the Lord would say go to the left and I would go to the left and that would be where I needed to be. I mean I've been jumped in Jamaica and you know at knife point and but the Holy Spirit had already warned me to take caution and so when I got out of the car I had my things in my hand and I threw it up in the air and the guy ran off because I threw tea in his face. <laughs> J.D., what would you say to the person who says, I need to learn how to hear the Holy Spirit better? What would you tell them to do? Well, you need to get saved to make sure you're saved and then get filled with the Spirit and then um, have a devotional life like Paul did. You know, he said he prayed in the Spirit all the time. And the more you pray in the Spirit, the praying in the spirit is your communication to the to the supernatural and the ability to to sense and hear and and be led. It's just part of the New Testament church that we should be walking in. That's right. You know, when I've tried to describe when people ask me about um, praying in the spirit and what that's like, and you know, the word says that um, the spirit is the one who gives us the utterance. And the way I, I'll often describe it is. You know, when we talk to each other um, in our given language, the thought starts here and comes out our mouth. But when we pray in the spirit, it starts here and comes out of our mouth. And it, it doesn't start here. And I don't know the words that I'm saying. The Lord will sometimes give me an impression of what I'm praying. But the origination is in the spirit. And I like the way you said that because it gives us the access to the supernatural. And Jesus said that he gave us authority. And he gave us empowerment, and that empowerment is by the Holy Spirit. And we all know God can do so much more by his power and his spirit than we can through our intellect and through our ability to influence people. That's right. And it's been, um, you know, in ministering in Jamaica before, we were, I was in a country church one time and just felt like I had resistance. And the Lord, I just stopped and prayed and and the supernatural, the Lord just had me to bind anything that was hindering the spirit and commanded it to go when one whole row got up and left because wow. they had actually working in witchcraft coming against the service. And so, you know, the, it, it's, it's just amazing what the Holy Spirit 
the power that he gives us, and it's coming from within us. It's not something we have to work up or anything. It's just knowing who you are in Christ and using the word of God and speaking the word. That's good. J.D., let's talk a little bit about how you got to Jamaica, because so far in the story, we've heard of how God has transformed your life and how he's delivered you and how he's restored your family. And you're serving in a church that's uh, growing and thriving and God's doing amazing things. But somehow you got from here in Richmond all the way over to Jamaica. Uh, how did that happen? I knew the Lord had called me into the ministry through a speaker that spoke and the Holy Spirit was, my spirit was jumping and I knew it was for me. And then we, the Lord told us to go to Bible school and we, we did a season in Richmond and then we realized we were supposed to be in, in Tulsa. We went to Tulsa, we went to mission school and in mission school, uh, somewhere in the middle of that was the Lord had talked to me about Jamaica, but then I put it on the shelf because it was, People were teasing me about starting a beach ministry. And so in the mission school, the director, the, uh, the head of the pastor there spoke to us one day and then he, he made a comment when he, we introduced ourselves and, and weren't sure where we were going. He said, well, such and such could use some help in Jamaica. And when he said Jamaica, the spirit just quickened in me that that was it. And so we did research and then we prayed and the Lord showed us to go to the Rama alumni office and they had missionary mission or minister opportunities. We got accused of wanting to start a beach ministry again and we said, no, just look. And she thought, oh, there is one. It's the teaching of Bible school. And so moved to Jamaica uh, in August of 95. Did your kids go with you or were they adults by then? Uh, two, my two boys were already away from home. They were, well, my, um, Youngest son had spent a, a month, a year in, in Russia. Um, but Michael was already in Pennsylvania. He got married while we were in Bible school. Tiffany was, um, she went with us to Jamaica. She was 15 when we went to Jamaica. And um, she stayed there for almost two years, year and a half, and then came back and finished high school at, at our home church, and she lived with my our, our sister, our Susan's sister. You guys spent how many years total in Jamaica? We were there 21 years, and um, but <clears throat> so we were. The kids are all now. We have one that's two in full time ministry, um, and my oldest son is on the board of a church in Pennsylvania, Harrisburg, and very active in his local church. I'm sure you're really proud of them. We are, and 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 the biggest, the most. Proud I can ever be as a, as a father is when your children tell you what the Lord has told them to do and they do it and it always works. That's awesome. I know with a lot of missionaries, when they are headed in on the field, they feel like God has given them a specific mission on the mission field. What was your and Susan's mission? He said, John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And he said, my people are not living the abundant life. You know, he had people in Jamaica that were living by religion but weren't living abundant life and, and all that he has provided for them. 
And he told me then if we could raise, help 10 pastors raise to a higher level, they could raise up a thousand. And so that was our focus was uh, Bible school training. We helped pioneer a national Bible school with a couple. We taught in a Bible school the first year we were there. And then we, uh, a couple years later, we helped a couple in Mandeville pioneer Bible school. They had seven churches. And um, when we, we helped them pioneer Bible school with curriculum and we taught there at night. And, and when we got through, at, we graduated two classes. We had a total of 72 graduates in the first two groups that went through both years. And out of that, we ended up with five pastors and seven Bible school teachers. Praise God. So we, we are, I've always said that my job is to work myself out of a job. It's to pair other people to do what I was there doing so that I can move to another location. And so we moved around Jamaica right much um, in that because we, we tried to actively equip people and then send them, you know, let them do it. And we weren't there to do it for them. We were there to help train them. And uh, then we got the ISOM, the International School of Ministry, was a video Bible school curriculum. And that was a tool we had to let pastors run a Bible school in their local church. And so we had about 26 Bible schools that had started and finished when we left Jamaica in uh, 2015 or 2016. That's and amazing. Uh, God prepared a Jamaican to come back to Jamaica to take over our ministry. We had a legal organization there and was legal with the government to do, you know, Christian work and Bible schools and education. And they wanted to come back and start a school. So they came back and took over our ministry and ran with it with what we had still going on. And then they've got a, you know, vision that they want to start some, uh, a Christian college eventually. And I just put him on my board and, you know, walked out and he walked in. That's awesome. And so it's going now. They've been there for three years and four, almost four years now. There's nothing like seeing what you started continue on. Yeah. It's always good to, to see them grab it and, and run with it. And, and it's nothing more exciting for me to help somebody get the word and get on fire and, and get discipled to where they can go out and heal the sick and raise the dead. You know, we, we've had some, um, phenomenal things happen from our students. And that's always exciting to see your students have great testimonies. Yeah, you have the same joy in watching your students as you have in the fact that your children are serving God. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, you know, I'll never forget one time we were teaching the first year we were there in Maypen and I was teaching on giving and receiving. And there was a lady there that her husband had left and she had two children and a little one room, 10 by 10 house and had to cook on a coal pot in the yard and, and she didn't have anything to give. She was actually being sponsored to come to the Bible school and she just was, you know, I mean, basically with nothing. We were teaching on giving and receiving and, and then one day we were, I was sharing some, something and all of a sudden I looked and her face lit up like a glow and she got it. And the next day she brought me a banana. <laughs> and within six months, she had an electric stove. I mean, I had a gas stove where she could cook on. And 
her husband, even though people there had recommended her get a divorce because he'd run off to another island and was having an affair. And, you know, she came to me and asked me what I thought. And I said, well, what do you have in your heart? And she said, well, I'd like to be restored and him be a father to his children. And within six months after that, because I prayed a prayer of agreement with her, and six months later, he was in church. Wow. They restored. It came from that giving and receiving class where she gave up what she had, one banana. And it just, she's prosperous now. Yeah. In this journey that you're describing to me, when you went to go get trained, you had to give a whole lot up to go get the training to go do the ministry that you felt like God was calling you to do. Well, for us, it was, you know, we were called to go on a mission field. And so training t- preparation time is never wasted time. We sold everything we had basically to go. Um, but what was interesting, a lot of the tools that I had that I sold to go to the field in Jamaica, I was working with churches that had mission teams coming down and I ended up all the tools that I sold and gave up were replaced in Jamaica by the teams that came in that needed the tools. And so they would bring them with me and leave them with me. And so I ended up with all these saws and tools and drills and everything that I had let go of and ended up with them again. And then I come back to Virginia and I've got them again now. And it really was going to mission school, Bible school and mission school in Tulsa that cut me off from my background, my history, my dependence on credit cards and banks and different things in business that, you know, I had to learn to trust God. From that, it prepared me to go to Jamaica to where we had to trust God. One of the things I really admire about you, J.D., is you are serving your mother, your elderly mother, and being there for her. And I so respect your priority of taking care of your mom and your love for your mom. J.D., what would you say to the person who's listening today? And they know that God has more for them in their life. That um, What would you tell them? Read the word, pray, and get more of God. God has always got more for you. I don't care whether you're the pastor of a 10,000-member church or an individual sitting in a chair. God has always got more for you. And you'll never, Paul said, I'll never arrive. You know, he always had more. And Jesus is the only one that did it all. You know, he gave That's right. it. But we've got an opportunity in the body of Christ to reach out and do what God, you know, there are people that, truck drivers that can reach people because they're truck drivers and they're not, but you can still share the love of Christ wherever you go. We need to tell somebody. There might be somebody today who they're listening. They can't say for a fact that they have a relationship with God. What would you tell them to do right now, J.D.? To say, Jesus, come into my heart, fill me, and, you know, get in a good word, church. Amen. For that person who wants to pray that prayer right now, will you pray for them? Yes. Father. I just thank you for those people that want to receive Christ right now. And I just ask you to repeat this after me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. 
that you died for. And I, I believe in you and I want you to come into my heart right now and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come in and fill my empty void. And I repent of my sins and I trust in you. Amen. Amen. If that's you today and you're responding to what Jesus is doing in your heart, we would love to hear from you. Would you go to victorychristian.church and click on Next Steps? We want to know who you are so that we can walk with you and provide whatever you need, whatever's next in your journey with Jesus. J.D., I want to thank you for being with me today. I'm so thankful that the Lord has put you and Susan in this Victory family. We're blessed to have you and blessed to have your story. And we're uh, we're proud of you and proud to have you as part of our family. Thank you. It's good to be here. We've enjoyed your fellowship and the worship and fellowship. And we're excited to be here. And hopefully we'll be able to be a part of it in the future. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, just go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.